how do you brace yourself to deal with a team that's likely going to lose a lot in the next few years? His response was, really? It's about the guys who look like guys. <laughs> this guy's a guy. <laughs> So uh, we get to the meat of our podcast, the do-over. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 122 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we knew trading Steve Pierce to the Red Sox would prove to be a huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> congratulations to him. On his MVP. Uh, but we're not going to talk too much about Steve Pierce. We will touch on, of course, the World Series, which ended the night before we recorded this. Uh, we will talk about a certain Montoyo, who has been hired by the Blue Jays. Uh, and then uh, Ross Atkins, uh, whenever he cruises into town, they, they put him up on the podium and ask him all kinds of questions. So he said a couple little things that we'll touch on. Uh, the Arizona Fall League continues. The Blue Jays have some all-stars, so why don't we talk about them? Because... Uh, it's the future, you know, I love the future. The Mets are hiring an agent to be their GM. Uh, Justin Smoke was nominated for a gold glove. We have, of course, your questions. And then we have uh, just a slew of do-overs. It's been two weeks and people keep putting their foot in it. So uh, we'll have, a, <laughs> I feel like we'll have at least two. Josh, welcome to the first postseason episode of Artificial Turf Wars. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Uh, it's really over. I, I gotta confess, I I tried to watch the World Series, and I'm uh, I think I'm getting old because I I could not keep up with the 18 inning seven hour game for some reason. <laughs> you mean the one they did at 3:30 a.m. <laughs> Eastern time? I'm shocked and disappointed, Greg. I'm sure it's my age. I'm sure it's nothing else. <laughs> yep. Um. So congratulations to the Red Sox. Begrudging congratulations. Uh. I guess that's that. I mean. This was a powerhouse team, and, and often powerhouse teams, you know, the unpredictably, unpredictability of the playoffs gets to them. But in, in the Red Sox case, not at all. Yeah, I mean, the team that won 100 and, was it 11 games this season? 108. 108, 108 yeah, yeah. And they rolled through the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what was supposed to happen. I mean, yeah, a lot of team people thought that Houston put up a bigger fight, or the Dodgers even put up a bigger fight. But... You know, the best team won, and that's the way it's really supposed to go. Although the Dodgers really, you know, gave it away a couple times. Hmm. They also brought one back from, you know, certain doom as well. So, uh, yeah, I think there was a potential for the Dodgers to refocus what they were doing uh, and maybe get, you know, get it to six games. But uh, I don't know. They, they, they certainly got outplayed. Um, there were a lot more runs in the in the Red Sox, you know, pocket than there were in in the Dodgers, and you know that's how it goes. Steve Pierce, I I, I mean we've loved Steve Pierce since he became a Blue Jay, or haven't we? Yeah, we were Are happy we... when he was signed, and we were you know happy when he was here, and I guess kind of happy when he was traded, <laughs> just because yeah. since it was you know getting a a thing of value. But good for him. Yeah. So we'll leave that be because uh, it wasn't our team, really. We we don't have much more to say, so we're not going to break down every performance. But uh, we are are now 
we are looking at a long span of time before they play Major League Baseball again, and uh, probably quite a while before anything significant happens in the world of Major League Baseball, although there are, of course, the declining accepting options period coming up, isn't there? Yeah, that's in the next few days. Yeah. So the Blue Jays wanted to have a new manager in place, I guess, for, for all of that offseason period. <laughs> Yeah, they, they managed it. <laughs> boom, they got right on it. Now, they did not hire as fast as uh, Rocco Baldelli was was uh, was hired. but uh, They were they hired did... on the same day. Oh, same day? But yeah. te- he, he was able to congratulate Rocco at his press conference, though. So I don't, you know, technically well, he was beat. He was officially <laughs> announced today, but that's because there are rules about when you can announce things during the World Series. Mm. Fair enough. So uh, who is the Blue Jays' new manager and what do we know about him? Okay, so what we know for sure is his name's Charlie Montoya. He's former second baseman. I mean, he didn't have much of a big league career. I think he had like a few games and that's it. But uh, he's been a manager in the minor leagues forever. Had these 18 seasons in the minors as, as a coach or manager, including managing in AAA since 2007, I believe. from Or rather from 2007 until getting called up to the big league coaching position in 2014. For the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Yes, all of it was with Tampa. Which is cool. Um, he comes with, obviously, then a long resume doing the job that he's going to be doing. And I, I personally feel like throwing a, a rookie manager in at the big league level is a thing that's been done a lot lately, like with Paul Molitor. Um, and I find it's a bit, I don't know, it seems silly to me to do this at this level. I mean, obviously, it does work because Manny Acta just won the World Series, but... Joey Cora? It, Joey Cora, sorry, not many actors. I don't know why I said that. Uh, yeah, Joey, <laughs> Joey Cora. I'm um, bad with names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I keep, I keep, Alex people Cora, kept talking about many actors today, but yes. But anyway, so it happens. But especially with a young team, I think you want someone who has experience leading. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, there is this period, like, I guess, is Gabe Kapler's a rookie manager. You'd like to avoid that whole, does he know how to to do pitching and changes, etc. Et and it's Alex Cora, not Jordan. Yeah, Jordan, I know. I yeah. forever wonder <laughs> how those two guys are related. <laughs> I feel like it was one of those guys who changed his name and I missed it, but apparently they're two completely different people. Yeah, they're brothers. How many Coras, how many Coras could there be in baseball who aren't related? I don't know. But anyway, it's let's like, get out. We're going way off the point here, but All right. So we I like the fact that he has managerial experience. Uh, the press conference, I read I read the breakdown of the press conference. They didn't talk, and they, they deflected questions about tactics and and managing style almost completely. Did you find that odd? I didn't, because the reason for those deflections was because he doesn't know what kind of team he's going to have. And he actually said that specifically. It's, it's, he basically said, if I don't have guys that can run, I'm not going to run. And if I don't have guys who can do X, like you know, he was talking about guys who throw hard and stuff in the bullpen, that was a question that was directed him. He's like, I, I can't pick my style until I know what kind of team I've got, which is actually refreshing. He, you know, he's going to adjust, which is what baseball is all about. Yeah, I think it, you're, you're right. It's, it's better than a guy who comes in and goes, well, we want to focus on, on uh, small ball. And it's like, well, <laughs> maybe you don't have those guys uh, or you're wasting those guys. So flexibility i think is going to be key i think it's going to be even more key um as we discover like you said these young players some are gonna you know not measure up their expectations and and other ones are going to i think exceed those expectations and i think you have to be ready to 
manage the people and and how they react to that you know to keep winning games that's the theory yeah and from all indications from pretty much anybody who's ever said a word about him that's a real strength of his communicating and letting people know why he's doing what he's doing which that's i mean that that's a huge part of managing but i think especially managing young players yeah there's a lot a lot said about you know in different books that i've read and 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 stuff about how big leaguers uh develop you know their their own plan for taking care of their business um you know and by the time you're say russell martin's age um and and your veteran status um you're you're well aware of the realities of the business uh and and how playing time works um and and how you would you know go about it if your playing time was to change and i think a lot of younger players we've seen it with kevin pilar when he first came up don't understand after having been at the top of the lineup you know for most of their career uh, that that's not how it's going to work in the big leagues all the time. Yeah, and, and it, even if they do, when you're making moves or changes that they don't understand, it's it's very important that, that you can explain it to them why. Yeah, uh, and the other thing that came out in the interview was was as a as a person, uh, Charlie seems to be a stand up guy from from every possible angle that you could describe him as one. Yeah, and you don't always get that. I'm, I mean, especially I remember. I don't want to pick on John Farrell because there were a lot of things that people don't like about John Farrell, but he did not come across as a nice guy at any point. He was a very seemed like a very calculating and potentially good tactical person, but there was no warmth there. Whereas with Montoyo, there was it was in abundance. Yeah, and uh, again, there's been jokes about oh, is he the you know, Puerto Rican John Gibbons, and I think that's very unfair. But I think if you liked the the demeanor of John Gibbons uh, as as being approachable, um, even as as a you know as a general manager, you can approach him and talk to him about you know what's going on with the organization. I think it would be easy to look for another guy who came across as warm and approachable, even for your own, you know, personal preference of, of the guy you're going to have to be dealing with on a day to day basis for the next, well, I guess, three years, potentially. Yeah, I mean, there's some logic to that, although I think that did surprise a lot of people. I think I mean, me included, I thought a lot of that they would go with someone different and they really don't seem to have done that. So even even on the ideological side of things Montoya was basically saying he's a blend of the old school and the new school which is that's kind of what John Gibbons was mm-hmm. yeah John, John Gibbons never outright rejected uh, anything he never said you know he stopped bunting as soon as they let him <laughs> ignore that aspect of the game that kind of thing um, he played shifts you know all that kind of stuff uh, I, I think I don't think any purely new school manager is ignoring you know, the people on his team, right? And that's sort of what the old school is, is you, you're, you're playing, you know, personalities and you're playing, um, how should I put it? You're playing a little bit with your gut. I don't know if that's accurate. So I, I don't think any manager is strictly reading things off of a, a, a page somewhere or a, a tablet and, and getting the best results he can get out of his team. No, no, I don't think so either. But just, it's nice that it's, being said aloud too that's just like it's not they're, they're he's going to be considering all avenues for information yeah yeah so going forward know your montoyos uh well, this- I, just one more one more comment on him before we move off mm-hmm. during his presser this endeared him to me and to many people i assume 
Rosie DeMano asked a Rosie DeMano question. She said, how do you brace yourself to deal with a team that's likely going to lose a lot in the next few years? His response was, really? (laughs) (laughs) Just having none of it. (laughs) And it was just fantastic. Uh, Yeah, I think you got to start there with Rosie. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Who's the other fellow who who always... Steve Simmons? No, no, he just doesn't... He's just angry. Um, Oh. You know, it's pretty bad when you forget his name intentionally. It'll come to me at some point. It's not important because people who crap on the Jays are are plentiful, and we can find them all the time. Shall we move Kyle on? Kelly. Shall we, Kathal, yeah, Kelly. That's it. He he's one of those people you have to just be like, no, no, don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're coming from. It's a preordained preordained destination in your question. Uh, so yeah. some of the people that, uh, well, sorry, before we go that way. Uh, so Ross Atkins, of course, he's in town, so everybody wants to talk to him. Um, did there there is a talent to saying a lot of things without saying anything? Did did Atkins say anything? Well, the the first kind of things he said were you know that pitching acquiring pitching is at the top of their list this off season, just like you know, just like last season. We want to come and pirate an impact bat and impact arm. Um, yeah, okay, uh, <laughs> but it's like obviously right. They need pitching both starting and relieving. So just not really saying anything. And then he said that he can't see a scenario where Justin smoke isn't back here next year or isn't on the team again, not really saying a whole lot, but when he was on primetime sports, he did get into something which I found interesting. He started talking about the value of stat cast on defense and on its, on the surface, it doesn't sound like much. It just sounds like he's using data, but where that's interesting, he went on to say, comparing outfielders based on their read time and to other outfielders who whether they should have caught a ball or something. And the reason that's very interesting is because on the Blue Jays, Kevin Pillar compared very comparably to Randall Grichuk when he was with St. Louis, where Grichuk was catching balls standing that Pillar was catching but diving. So if he's looking at that kind of data, Pilar does not grade out well in StatCast. It never has. So that could lead to potentially Pilar being someone they might want to shop. I, I mean, this is just me speculating, but it follows logically. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, we'll have to see what transpires. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the, 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 the defensive metrics have, have always been the weakest side of the stat game. I think you and I can agree on that, right? Yes, for sure. So the idea of actually seeing some sort of concrete how well a guy starts and how far he gets and and all that stuff, other than you know this, the catch-all root efficiency, I'm I, I would be interested to see some real um, development of that because that that would tell us, you know, it wouldn't tell us about the things we already know, which is like one ball per game comes out to left field that's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would tell us exactly what happens when that one ball comes someone's way. So, uh, yeah, it could be cool. Did he, did he get to anything? Uh, by the way, the, the, um, I think it was the road guy on Twitter pointed out that, uh, Ross Atkins is the same man who couldn't see any reason why Roberto Osuna wouldn't be their closer. Yeah, I think this is a little different because it was specifically, I think, referencing this John, stupid John Heyman report that 
you know, the Jays haven't decided whether they're going to pick up Smoke's option. Like, yes, they have. <laughs> and the answer is yes. Of uh, course they're going to pick up his option. Justin, cheap at twice the price, Smoke. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, some of the players that Montoyo is going to be managing are in the Arizona Fall League right now. Um, let us start with uh, our Lord and Savior, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., He's, he's slipping. He does not lead the league in everything right now. I was disappointed when I checked the stats. Yeah, it's sad. There was a time when he was just the destroyer of worlds, but he's still the destroyer of worlds. His, his 500 on base percentage, his OPS is still over 1,000. Um, he did strike out in his last game, so that's a bit of a, another black mark against him. Oh, yeah. He is two years younger than all of the guys who are ahead of him, the the two or three guys who are ahead of him in any given statistical category. Yeah. He doesn't have a home run, which I guess is a little surprising, but he also has hits in every single game. Yeah, no problem at all. So that's the good news. Yeah, he's the only one doing well, though. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Kevin Biggio. Yeah, I mean he's hitting two twelve, but he's got a he's got a three seventy eight on base and a three sixty four slugging. Basically, he's just takes a lot of pitches, and he's from from what I've read about him with his walk totals is that he's passive almost to a fault hmm. at times. Sort of like what Adam Dunn was, where he would get himself into pitchers counts and strike out. I did see Biggio, I think, in his first game in the AFL, walked like four times. Yeah, he will take walks because he does not swing very often. So I don't know if that's something that will play as well as he gets up to the big leagues and guys have better command. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens to him even just next year as he moves into Buffalo and you get a lot of those you know, quad A guys, you know, guys that are on the cusp of the big league that don't maybe have the stuff to pitch at the big leagues but have the command to do so. Yeah, you can lay off the mistakes out of the zone. Can you punish the ones in the middle of the zone if, if effectively? It, it is a valid question. Uh, I, and then Nate Pearson uh, is also out there. I, the, is the nicest thing we can say about Nate Pearson is he's healthy and throwing very hard? Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> he got named to the Fall Stars team. I don't um, understand it. Actually, so did, uh, so did Kevin Biggio. But is he already yeah, he's, 11? <laughs> Yeah, it's over 11. He's He's been getting rocked. Um, but even like today was a good example. He pitched on we're recording this Monday. He would, did well through the first three innings and then just exp- imploded in the fourth and just he, he couldn't keep it going, which that's something that would follow a little logically for a guy who has only thrown a couple innings all season that as games go on, he would struggle. Um, this is a guy who was he was coming back from Tommy John, was it? No, he got hit by he got hit in the no, no, arm sorry. by a ball. He was coming back from Tommy John though before he got hit in the arm. He was coming back from an injury in his first start, right? Wasn't that a Tommy John? No, he did not no? have surgery. Okay, no. I, he was coming back from an injury and then he got hit in the arm and broke his arm. Yeah, but he, if he was Tommy John, he would have been all season. Okay, for some reason I thought my bad. So injury on top of injury, so he re- like think, he yeah, was, I think he got a concussion actually at the beginning. But anyway, well, yeah, he just didn't pitch all season, so. So in the sense of the Arizona Fall League being developmental, uh, that's exactly why Pearson's there. Yeah, and that's also and, and his skill and talent level are why he's in the Fall Stars game. That's not about performance in the Arizona Fall League. It's about the guys who look like guys. <laughs> this guy's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, he's throwing 101 miles an hour, which it shows that he's healthy. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the Blue Jays are certainly going to be interested in anyone uh, who can throw 100 miles an hour, given what they've had in the bullpen the last, like, two years. Yeah. And sorry, it wasn't a concussion either. He strained his... He's an intercoastal, so, you know, abdomen. Yes, which takes forever to heal for some reason. Yep. Um, Okay, so I'm going to just jump to the Mets here because the Mets are hilarious, and I I can't... (laughs) (laughs) Like, the Mets, way back when the Astros were intentionally horrible, um, and that was fun, now they're really good, I don't think the Mets are going in that direction. I think the Mets are just incredibly inept. Uh, They gave away, essentially, Matt Harvey, who... Looks to be a serviceable pitcher still um, for nothing because they just couldn't get their act together and, and, you know, communicate well with him. But they've topped that. They've gone way beyond that. We even have a do-over later. They've gone beyond the do-over. They hired Brody Van Wagenen to be their general manager. Now, that would be fine if he was... By the way, Brody Van Wagenen, I feel like he was in a frat before he even applied for one with that name. (laughs) Like, you show up on college the first day and a bunch of frats come to you and go, you're already in. Um, Brody is an agent. I I, I can't... And he's an active agent with active clients. And more specifically, including the people who were now were, he can't keep them, but his clients, Noah Syndergaard, Jacob deGrom, (laughs) Yohan Cespedes, Todd Frazier... Do you know what team those guys play for? I'm going to go with the Mets. Very good. <laughs> so he, okay, there's so many things wrong. So if you were just talking about those guys, he's just gone from a position of repping them and trying to get them as much money as possible in negotiations to the opposite. Like, what and- is the personal relationship like with Noah Syndergaard at this moment? I, and Jacob DeGrong, I mean... Those guys are arbitration time, right? Yeah. Like, he may have even had conversations with them already about how they would approach their arbitration case. Like, <laughs> it's it's a horrible conflict of interest. I don't, I don't know how this is possibly going to work out. And especially when it comes to Jacob deGrom, Van Wagenen has been very public during the season of saying the Mets either need to extend him or trade him. Well, now he's the guy who controls that. (laughs) So that's just the players he reps on the Mets. It doesn't get any less complicated for the players he repped who were not on the Mets. Or just the players in general because... Oh, sorry, I'll let you continue. Then I'll say say what I was going to say. If he reps a player, he has inside medical information about that player that the, the team should not be privy to. Yeah, I mean, he was a top agent at CAA, which represents over 150 players. So that's a lot of guys. And we have no idea where, like, his evaluations of those guys are now unfair in regards to every other GM in baseball. Although, I mean, see, that's actually an argument in favor of the Mets hiring this guy. But Well, yeah, it would be if there weren't some sort of penalty for him exercising that information, I presume. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. We don't really know how this is going to work. When Dave Stewart was hired as an agent, he had like five clients. So obviously that was a thing and it mattered, but it didn't have a huge impact. And also he was terrible. But this is CAA. I mean, this is the biggest agency that exists. 
I, I, I don't get, of all the qualified baseball people in the world, why Brody Van Wagenen is the guy for the Mets, and they think that this is not going to cause more grief than good. Yeah. So what I was going to say before, we're talking about other players. There's also the players that he doesn't represent, just general. As an agent, he was the guy who wrote the rising tide letter, you know, like about all the the players that were angry and action is coming and radical, something radical may be necessary. These are quotes of his last February. (laughs) So uh, he's going to walk into like a GM meeting now in December. (laughs) And he's going to have to sit down with Ross Atkins or, you know, someone like that and be like, yeah. And they're going to be like, so all that stuff you said about we're not treating the players fairly and everything, what, what was that about? <laughs> and he's got and, and saying that, Yeah, and, and saying that there might be collusion. I mean, he was the loudest voice on the other side. I, I I can't do the head. I I only have gestures. I don't have words. It's a head exploding <laughs> gesture. Like wow. Yeah. We need to do fun. like a one of these times. We need to do like a YouTube podcast. But if you want to see us, <laughs> just, you'll just see emojis of our facial expressions. <laughs> it's a series of gifs <laughs> chained yeah. together uh, until you understand what's going on. So yeah. Uh, just in case you thought the Blue Jays were, you know, maybe not 100% on the ball, there's always the Mets. <laughs> okay, I've, I've had an, <clears throat> I'm done with the Mets for now. We'll come back to them later. We will uh, give a shout out to the, the mystical award that is the Gold Glove Evaluations. Justin Smoke nominated. Good for him. Yeah. He, uh, he's always been, in our view, very steady at, at first base. Uh, also, only Blue Jay nominated, I think, for anything this year, for sure, would be Justin yeah. Smoke. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what else would there be? <laughs> yeah, you know the team's a little rough when uh, when that's it. But hey. Yeah, and the, and the Fielding Bible Awards came out today, too. They're voted on by any number of people. The only people who even got votes, and they, and they, like, they do top tens. They each picked their top ten. Were Pilar, Grichik, and Martin. <laughs> oh well, yeah, um, yeah. The, the the gold gloves are a combination of metrics and votes, so it's it's like twenty five percent metrics. I can't um, remember how it is. It, it used to be like just that, manager yeah. votes, but that has changed. But I mean, Justin Smoke is a good defensive first baseman. I don't care what the metrics. Well, I should I shouldn't say I don't care what the metrics say. But his biggest value is something that doesn't show up in publicly available metrics, which is. His ability to pick the ball. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's actually helping the metrics of other people on the infield. <laughs> and when you, especially when you have, well, sorry, when you have the Jays infield when they're healthy, Troy Tulowitzki hits you in the chest every time, but he's not really healthy very often. No, not at all. So props to Justin Smoke, and uh, hopefully he gets his full recognition and, and something to put on his shelf at the end of the year. That would be nice. Uh, I think that covers the week that was the uh, the last week, so to speak. Unless you had anything to add? No, I think that's good. I mean, it sucks that baseball's over, but I didn't really care much about Red Sox Dodgers World Series. So, indeed. All right, so we're going to come back um, and we're going to give people an opportunity to, you know, fix some things. All right, I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
just like that, we have returned. We have returned, of course, for the all-important task, first, of answering your extremely difficult-to-answer questions, most of which uh, ask us in some way to predict the future. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll play the, the stinger for them. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Well, we're just going to do questions one at a time. So uh, a little while ago, Matt Sweeby asked us, asked us an extensive series of questions, and we should catch up to, to Matt, uh, at Blue Jay Matt, if you're looking for him on Twitter. Uh, we all agree that the Jays are not going to be competitive in 2019 if Rob Manfred suddenly announced that Toronto and Cleveland were swapping divisions. And knowing Rob Manfred, I am not surprised that he would announce this. <laughs> what, what percentage chance would the Jays have of making the playoffs? What about Cleveland? And then he follows up with what would make the biggest change in playoff chances in 2019, swapping the division with Cleveland or getting Mike Trout for free. So for the second part question, Swapping divisions for sure. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. not even close. Yeah. You'd need like three. You need an outfield of Mike Trout's to have the effect of swapping to a division that didn't have anybody over 500 except the division winner, unless I'm mistaken. And they're now back in the East. Mm hmm. So, yeah, the best team other than Cleveland in that division was 78 and 84, and that was the Twins. Yeah. So uh, I'm all in for the division swap here, folks. Ah. Uh... 100%. But back to the first question. Uh, if he announced... Okay, so what percentage would I give the Jays of making the playoffs? I would say 80%. You think Did you hear 80% that they're going to win the division? <laughs> yeah. I think it's... Yeah, I, I, maybe I wouldn't go that high. But uh... yeah, but if you, if you knew right now, as, it, as the Toronto Blue Jays management, if you knew right now that you were in the Central Division, wouldn't you plan your offseason a little differently? Of course you would. I, 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 that's why I'd still go high but i just don't know if i'd go that high well but yeah i mean yeah okay 50 60 percent i mean I, I think they'd have to be the favorite 100 percent favorite yeah not 100 percent win the division but yeah they, they're yeah. definitely the best team in that division um with just a little bit of tweaking and they have the money to do it unlike some of those other clubs uh cleveland's chance of making the playoffs i would put what 20 percent now as yeah. a wild card team potentially yeah, I mean, they're going to lose some guys, too. So, I, yeah, 15 20%. They, you know, the two teams, the Yankees and the Red Sox, are just clearly better than they are. Yeah, but only because baseball is so unpredictable that the Rays ended up as a very decent team this year, despite not really looking that way from any angle you looked at it in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Okay, now to the most difficult question. Would you like to ask me that? Sure. This comes from Matt Corey at MattyMatty2000. Only because he's a guest. friend of the podcast do we let him ask these. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Are the Red Sox good? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Okay. This is painful, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it out loud because hopefully I don't have to repeat it for a while. They are the best, Matt. They are the best. Objectively. Uh, he yeah. has a follow-up. By the way, if you need anyone to come by and tell you how awesome Steve Pierce is, I'd be happy to help out. Really? Really, Matt? Thanks, Matt. You know, just turn that. <laughs> just, just a Did little half tired? turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've, we've been knifed. It's a drive-by knifing by Matthew Corey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Please, please knife us. 
Okay. Uh, Spooky Luke, hashtag Gibby the Best at Split Letters asks, who, if any, of the Jays' current coaching staff do you think will be kept around with Montoyo? I could be mistaken, but this appears to be what we call a serious question. Yeah, they happen sometimes. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the smart money is probably on none of them. Mm. But if I had, uh, there's, I could see maybe Walker sticking around just because he seems to be well regarded, you know, and maybe some continuity with the pitching staff. But the pitching staff was freaking terrible. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would not be at all surprised if none of them were kept, and he just wanted to bring in his entirely pen selected group of play, of coaches. I feel like you're probably right, but I would also bet a toonie that Pat Henkin ends up somewhere in this coaching staff somehow. <laughs> If he wants it, I mean, he he's in and out of wanting to be a guy who's has to go on the road and everything like that, right? I know it's, it's he's like a bad penny. It's like, oh, and Pat Henkin decided he wanted a job, and the Blue Jays organization never says no to Pat Henkin. So that's why Tooney says he's he's back in some capacity, even if not for the whole season. Yeah, you can't say bad penny anymore in Canada. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as pennies. Okay, so they don't turn up at all. He's exactly. unlike a bad penny in every way. <laughs> <laughs> we got one more question. Hit me. All right. Last question comes in from Heated End at Heated End. What does Atkins, with well, bad possessive punctuation there, but what does Atkins' organizational leader mean for Montoyo? Is that the way he described Montoyo in the press conference? Yes. Uh, I think you're talking about um, his... Uh, how should I put that? You're talking about his the way his personality works with a group of people. That he's he's not just um, you know a cheerleader in the dugout. He's not just a ta- tactician. He's he's got a more holistic approach to the way he deals with the team and the players. That's that's what I would take from that label. And I also think it talks about, it's referring to top down through the minors, right? Mm-hmm. So someone who thinks about the whole system. Mm-hmm. They talked about there was some reference to being familiar with with the minor leagues as well and and what players were in the minors when they were on the managerial search were they not? Yeah, he said specifically that's something they were looking for. A guy who is has coached and that long in the minors, I think, is is someone who would be well aware, perhaps more so than just a former player, of of how things you know work top down as he watches players flow through you know uh, a minor league club. Um, also, By the way, that's, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'll they reminded me of a, a funny question <laughs> during his opening presser. Someone said, "No, as a minor league manager, uh, you know, like what? What are your scouting reports on Vlad Jr.? He's like, I've never seen him play because <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been in the minors since 2014, and Vlad Jr. wasn't in the professional ranks yet." Um, it is interesting, though. Actually, they could have asked him about Vlad Senior because they were together in Montreal. They did ask. Did he get like, a real yeah. answer? I just. He basically said it's going to be a lot of fun coaching his son, and he's sure that Vlad Junior is going to, Vlad Senior is going to talk to him about it because they're still they still talk. There wasn't a lot to it. No, because it's an introductory presser, and it's really just to see how he looks in the uniform, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, so uh, we get to the meat of our podcast: the do over. <laughs> Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... Oh, yes, if we had it to do over again. 
So uh, we're going to go back to the Mets. I promised I'd get back to them. <laughs> uh, there is a, it's, is it Marvin Miller Man of the Year? I'm trying to remember the name. I think so. Uh, so it's Man of the Year Award. Uh, Wait, sort of it's a, not Clemente? No, it's not the Clemente Award. Um, oh, okay. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a catch-all for for the you know sort of the best teammate uh, uh, in each on each team, and most of the time when you look at that, it is a bit like the Clemente Award. You you look at a list of of community type accomplishments, um, and and you know these guys are are pillars of the community, as it were. The Mets. Oh, I, I need you to understand the players vote on the Marvin Miller Award. So for the Mets, after long and thoughtful consideration. Uh, players all put their heads together and selected Jose Reyes as possibly the most tone-deaf man of the year <laughs> nominee in the entire major leagues, at least this year. Uh, guys, come on. That's pretty bad. Like, if, if, if you're going to talk about a guy and his on-the-field accomplishments, well, Jose Reyes stunk all year long and it stunk for quite a while. Uh, if you're going to talk about a guy and his, you know, his off the field influence, he didn't have any charity, you know, of his own that he was supporting. He didn't bring anything special to the field or go out in the community in any significant way. Um, he was just, quote unquote, a good teammate. Oh, yeah. And an accused domestic abuser who only the Mets would take back. Oh, yeah. And also was sued for unpaid child support last year or two years ago. No, last year. So stand up, dude. Oh, yeah. No, no problem at all there. Man of the deadbeat man of the year like well but and especially like that second part so it is the marvin miller man of the year and it's given to the player who quote inspires others to higher levels of achievement by their on-field performances and contributions to their communities he doesn't even contribute to his own family (laughs) it's the community starts at home uh so yeah large resounding fart noise uh dear mets players whether or not you like jose reyes personally Give your head a shake. There's a lot of other ways that that ballot can go, and all of them would have been righter than the one you picked. Yeah, and actually, apparently, it's the entire league that votes on players from each team, so just baseball players got this wrong. Wow. Yeah. Like, were were players from other teams trolling the Mets here? Yeah, I... I, I don't give them that much credit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I don't either. Um, yeah. So that's just, that's sad. What would the do-over be? Well, obviously, we need to have that vote again. Um, actually, no. We just need to DFA Jose Reyes so you can't vote for him. Can we do that? That's a good one. Yeah. We'll put that on the Mets, not the players. You can have the do-over. Uh, <laughs> do-over number two you brought to my attention, which uh, is, is more of a classic-style foot-in-the-mouth type do-over. Uh, this is the one from the, the, video, the base one, Fox Sports. Out, in, out, out covering the, the action in the crowd at the World Series. Yep. Uh, uh, the stars are out in L.A. tonight. It was a picture of Rob Lowe next to Sandy Koufax, who they thought was Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, so how, how do we get there? exactly on a baseball broadcast like i mean yeah if if it's if it's some other sport i get it like let's say um i don't know say andrew luck some other sport 
is yeah. hanging out at a base at a baseball game and he's in the, and you you get you know he's a quarterback but you get the wrong thing or you think he's a famous celebrity or whatever but he's a Dodgers legend he's in Dodger Stadium he in was, the World Series in the World Series <laughs> not that many teams he's going to be from uh also he only bears a passing resemblance to Bill Nye they don't look alike <laughs> it's really bad um yeah i how do you how do you repair that as a as a uh as a broadcaster i mean what do you what do you say <laughs> i don't know to sandy I, koufax this is the hard do over to give because i don't know what you can do uh yeah sorry we know you're you're absolutely you know one of the greatest pitchers to ever step on the mound. It's the same mound that's out there, um, and you've probably been in several pregame ceremonies and Hall of Fame things, and uh, we've had you on a bunch of times. But uh, we honestly thought you were the science guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If if anybody can think of how Fox Sports fixes that, uh, let us know because we're we're kind of at a bit of a loss. Yeah. Did we did we have any other harsh criticisms to throw around? To Fox Sports? No, just in general. Oh yeah. Okay. Mr. Rob Manfred. Oh yeah. <laughs> do you do you want to play the audio or do you have it or no? Uh no, I lost the tweet. I I think I opened up the wrong window. My bad. Oh well, that's too bad. Um so basically, Rob Manfred was asked about the declining ratings in the World Series, which were down about 10%, despite the fact it was Red Sox-Dodgers. And part of the reason is that he said he thinks baseball people, and he included the media in in this, spending, and he said some of the broadcasters, which definitely applies to John Smoltz, but spend entirely too much time being critical of our game. Was he looking in a mirror when he said this? How many times have we come along and said, you know, the problem is Rob Manfred hates baseball, and it's obvious <laughs> because blah. It's a segment on our podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think the problem, Rob, comes from the top. We, we keep poking baseball to see if it's dead yet. Um. Yeah, he also, he had to, again, dismiss the idea after the 18-inning game. He had to dismiss the idea of uh, putting runners on in extra innings. Uh, you know, that's not something we're looking at. Really, Rob? Because it was your idea to do it in the minors. <laughs> yeah. And, in, and who was the person who started seriously harping on pace of play? Oh, yeah. yeah. Rob Manfred. <laughs> it was you. Oh, so other than the problems which he created in the first place, he doesn't think there's any problems with baseball. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's just, it was just bizarre. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, maybe he's the one who told them it was Bill Nye. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. Rob, Rob. If that's actually how it worked out, that'd be really funny. Who's that in the third row? What? Beside Rob Lowe. Who? What? Uh, oh, that's Bill Nye. Oh, good, good. Thanks. Thanks. We, th- we thought he was a Dodger. No, no. <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Rob, just act like you love the game. There was a lot of actually talking about that. Um, I guess that'll... We'll, we'll hit that in my final thought. Um, that is the extent of our three do-overs. 
which means that we are uh, lurching toward the end of the podcast. Um, so going forward, I think I should let you all know that uh, most likely the easiest spot to find us is going to be at patreon.com. www.patreon.com slash turfpod. You can check us out there. Uh, you can listen to the episodes directly there. You can make a contribution directly there, which we always appreciate. Um, and of course, we'd also like if you'd subscribe on iTunes. And naturally. Get the podcast right away and maybe rate and review because we haven't had that in a while. Oh, rate and review. Yes. Helps other people find the podcast, which if you've been listening this long, obviously you want to help other people. And only if you like it. If you don't like it, ignore what we just said. It doesn't matter. <laughs> don't don't rate or review if you if you have a, a burning hatred and only hate listen. Okay, that's a good tip, Josh. I think we we should do that at the top of the podcast last time to all our to all our hate <laughs> listeners. Oh my goodness! Uh, we're gonna wind this up, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make a final thought. Yeah. So my final thought is with, with the way that the off season shakes out. Now know that by the twentieth they have to set their rosters for the forty man rosters for Rule Five eligibility and all that. So I think that's kind of the soft deadline for when we could see some small trades from this team. So I think that we could see more November action than we have in recent years. Cool. Uh, my final thought is about the broadcast and talking about baseball and whether you like it or not. Baseball is always in in a state of flux, but but you could very much argue that because Lately, playoff baseball has looked very different from regular season baseball. Um, you know, use of the bullpens heavily, repeated use of starters, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, guys uh, who are swinging for the fences trying to trying to hit that one home run. Props to Max Muncy. Um, there's a lot of broadcasts that go on and on about how the game has changed and, is, you know, it's just not the same as it was before. And somehow that all seems to come off as a bit negative and a bit of... Guys who are saying, hey, you know, it was better back then. I don't think that helps anybody. You, you, the, nope. the analytics revolution that's come along that has taught us that there is a, a way to win baseball games that doesn't involve, you know, hitting the ball into the ground, um, that that's actually counterproductive, that, that a lot of the aspects of the game that we sort of took for granted are, are not actually the most effective ways. Uh, this represents a real opportunity for the sport, not a a loss of something. Um, I think we can, if if broadcasters would embrace it, fans would embrace it just as easily. And I really wish that the closed mindedness would just take a step back and realize that everything about this game, from the height of the mound to the weight of the bats to the, the how the uniforms have been have changed from year to year to year to year and each time it's brought something interesting to the sport just let us know that this is this is good that it's interesting and different not like the end of the world because guys like to hit home runs of course they do everybody likes home runs end of rant it's very right. calm rant yeah I'm just I'm just vaguely disappointed that, you know, guys who are supposed to promote sport can't figure out that you got to just promote what's in front of you, not wish for something different in front of you. It's not rocket yeah. science. That's Bill Nye it. would tell you that. <laughs> Bill Nye knows. Um, and he's a Dodgers fan, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
That is to say that you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 122. And we'll talk at you in a couple weeks, or if something big happens. Take care.